Queer Longing, a podcast where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Olivia Taylor. And I'm Lucy Cecil. Well, welcome to... So we made some promises last time we recorded, and that was that we would be doing a a little bit more of a literary bent for this um, (laughs) new season of life on the podcast. And today is the beginning of that, and we'll be talking a little bit more about that in due course. But um, first of all, Lucy, how are you feeling? How's it going? Oh yeah, it's all good. You know, you know, we're in a we're nearly into May. We're very rapidly running our way through the year and um, through this gorgeous new season of queer longing. And yeah, very excited for all the things we're going to bring you. And yeah, feeling good. How are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling okay. I'd much rather be doing this than be doing a lot of other things. So <laughs> you should feel you should feel good about that. <laughs> and to be honest, if uh, if we can't say that, then what can we say? We should at least be enjoying this more than some other things. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the yardstick um, by which to measure our enjoyment. Um, yeah, so um, as we mentioned, it is going to be a special episode this week. So without further ado, we would like to introduce our first author of the season. Leon Craig is a writer from London, but now based in Berlin. Her writing has been published by The White Review, The Times Literary Supplement, and many other publications. We're absolutely thrilled to welcome Leon to Queer Longing to talk about their debut collection of short stories, Parallel Hells. So Leon, welcome to Queer Longing. We're very, very excited to have you. Thank you so much, Olivia. I'm really happy to be here. And I have been living for the podcast this week, so... (laughs) It's all coming full circle. And the thing about Berlin is that for six months of the year, it's this Arctic, miserable wasteland. For six months, it's this really beautiful kind of sunny idyll. I'm just tipping into that good six months. So things are really looking up and, you know, just feeling like very full of positivity about the book, which is kind of paradoxical because the book is so dark. But (laughs) there there we go. Oh, yeah, feeling like positive about the book and the ensuing summer. Amazing. Yeah, no, uh, Berlin, we love Berlin. Been, been, we've been together, haven't we, Olivia? We have been together. <laughs> and as we always say on the podcast, we're, we went in when we were both 21. We're now, well, you're nearly 32 and I am yeah. 32. And we're still hung over from that trip. So... <laughs> um, <laughs> And I was, you know, as I was reading Parallel Hells and some of the kind of queer venues, I was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I can see that this is sort of inspired by the the Berlin experience because, um, yeah, we're still kind of um, yeah, needing needing a nap after our last after our last <laughs> visit. But how long have you been in Berlin and what's life like there? So I moved like in the middle of the pandemic, three days before they banned outbound flights for the UK for most reasons. Wow. So I keep waiting for it to really hit me like damn I should have brought my old liver from when I was 21 (laughs) Uh, but it's been a fairly gentle intro so far because they're just relaxing stuff now and it's given me a little bit of time to catch up my German still sounds like a child's um actually that's not true children German children speak much more clearly than I do (laughs) but yeah it's um it's bewildering, but really, but really wonderful in its own particular weird way. Amazing, yeah, it's a, a great. I really want to go back. I've never been in the summer, so I feel like that's something you need to do. Yeah, definitely. When, when did we go? We, it was freezing. Yeah, it was like Feb or something. It was it was very cold. Yeah. Um, but anyway, moving forward, could you tell us a little bit about how you became a writer? Have you always written? Has it been something that was something you wanted to do since you were a child? What's your path to how you've got to where you are now? So. I have this like, folder in my computer that I almost never look on called 
moderately awful juvenilia and then one underneath it's like truly awful juvenilia and like if I'm ever getting a bit too big for my britches I will go into the moderately awful like the truly awful folder I only open it once every couple of years because it's so bad so more more concisely I yeah I wrote like I wrote quite a bit in my teens I wrote some extremely ill-advised poetry I was like (laughs) I was like really really into it like both reading and writing and then got to undergrad and just have stopped dead for about four years because I was being smacked in the face with all of this really brilliant writing that was kind of like shifting the furniture around in my in my mind and then kind of was slowly able to come back to it in my early 20s and that was when the process for writing Parallel Hell started again but it took a very long time to kind of find my voice as an adult. Sure yeah absolutely that that makes sense I um love the idea of your folders I don't have those I think I just have because I write a bit but I think I just have I think it's all the terrible bit <laughs> so every time I go back to it I'm like oh no shut that down shut that down but um I like the idea of compartmentalizing it so that you can and also like revisiting it to like maybe and maybe now revisiting it to be able to remind yourself of like see how far you've come and now you've got something that's published that's brilliant so like you can be able to see your growth see your own growth which is nice yeah really nice and I guess um other than what we as as I mentioned um before we started recording um we always start off the podcast in the same way which is discussing the things that we are living and longing for and obviously you know we're living to have you here today with us it's always nice to have a guest on the show but um I'm, I'll start off you know to get your thinking cap on while while um we talk to Lucy and see what you're living and longing for this week and we'll go around the room <laughs> absolutely lovely um pass the pass the hat is that what they say pass the hat the, the baton the baton pass the baton whatever you know I can't I can never do idioms but <laughs> right well my living for is very silly um in that I'm just gonna say that uh I've been living for nearly 32 years um when this comes out it'll be nearly my birthday and I think I feel like we talk about birthdays quite a lot on this podcast. Yeah, we do. And like between us as friends in a way that I don't really with most, a, a lot of other people. But... And we talk a lot about star signs. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Exactly. So um, I am in my big Taurus uh, season. It's Taurus season. So obviously I'm having a great time being me. And I feel like this is the first birthday in the, for the past two birthdays that I've actually been like fully able to do whatever I want you know everything is open here so we can basically do what we want and like the past two birthdays were very not like that and it just feels quite nice I'm living for that I mean I don't know what I'm going to do but but I could do whatever I want that's quite nice so I'm pleased about that and that is what I'm living for and then longing for um this weekend I'm going to it is a local like one day music festival in Salford called Sounds from the Other City, which is a banging festival used to go like every year. And then obviously there hasn't been one since the pandemic. So it's like the first one back. That feels really fun and exciting. And it's always like a really nice day of like discovering new artists and stuff. It's a lot of like smaller bands and that that you don't like probably wouldn't like have heard of before. So you get to always find some new finds. And yeah, I'm just looking forward to that. And it's a bank holiday, which we always love to see. Very we? nice. And I think your, your living and longings are really kind of about the gift of freedom. And that's a great <laughs> gift to give to yourself, especially on your birthday. Um, my livings and longings are incredibly vacuous, so I will make it quite quick. So my first living for is that, and but it relates back because um, this is a this is a literary special, and um, this is an author related living. Good. So I am living for the fact that Caroline O'Donoghue replied to my Instagram story. 
um, about a book review that I did um, of Cleopatra and Frankenstein, where I described some of the book in her own um, her own language Uh as very a play, which is what she always um, discusses on her podcast, Sentimental Garbage, which we have mentioned on this podcast over and over again and she replied back to say that she was thrilled to be cited and I was very pleased about that and longing for similarly to you it's a real life event and that is Pride on the Range um, which is happening local to us in Wally Range um, on the weekend of May the 7th so I'll be going to that and I really love to have a sort of smaller scale Pride event Um, we've been to one in Sheffield um, a couple of times which is obviously like sort of smaller scale city Pride and it's just nice as well because obviously it's in May and normally here we don't celebrate Pride till the end of August so I think that'll be quite nice to sort of do it on a sort of local community level so I am longing for that so Leon over to you what are you living and longing for this week this week I'm living for like in terms of silly pleasures I've got really into the new season of The Sinner and I kind of feel like I know the format by now, which yeah. is like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like re- like retired inspector trying to get his like sexual needs met, but also dealing with creepy culty people <laughs> in like a creepy location and just looking like very grimly at little plants. Yeah. I'm so into that. <laughs> That's so accurate. <laughs> And yet we keep coming back because I, I I always go back to the sinner. Yeah, always. yeah, no, that's very <laughs> it's good. It's a winning formula. Like, I don't <laughs> <want to finish. laughs> that's very amazing. Good. Very good. Yeah, I actually didn't finish the newest season. Well, you probably your brain tricked itself into thinking that it had because it's the same formula yeah, over and, and over. Yeah, thought it was, it was finished. Yeah, <laughs> it's never finished. There's always more weird culty stuff where it came yeah. from. The well, well will not wander, and I do not want it to. Yeah. Um, and then on the like slightly more highbrow. And I've just finished reading this amazing book called The Weight of Loss by Sally Oliver, which is about this woman whose sister jumps onto a train in front of her in London and she's like completely ruined by the grief for it. Like she receives from her relationship, her job, and then she goes to this really creepy institute in the countryside after she starts growing these like mysterious dark hairs down her spine. And it's got like loads of really great like classical mythology and stuff about Jung in it. And it's like, I'm still, I I was like physically holding my body together when I finished reading it. That's how creepy it is. Oh, love that. That sounds great. Mm. That's a great wreck. I'll definitely be reading that. That sounds uh, good and sounds very similar to some of the writing you have done. Very similar themes. So we'll definitely... uh, be interested in reading that. So just to get into things, as we mentioned at the beginning, um, you're here to talk about your debut collection of short stories, Parallel Hells, but I guess, you know, you're in the meeting with the publishers, you've got to give your elevator pitch, you're talking about, you know, really selling it in, what this book is about, how would you describe the book? And I guess the steps that occurred that sort of led to Parallel Hells coming to life, I suppose. I think my one line elevator pitch. I'm trying to remember how I pitched this to my agent. <laughs> um, but the more, like, more colloquially, it's like that really messy period of your 20s as a queer person, but also with like demons and vampires and the occasional golem. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> it really does uh, make sense. And then kind of, yeah, if I get to like 
expand on that a bit. It's mostly set in London. There are like interlinking stories, which I think become clearer as you go further and further into it. That some of the some of the characters like have long-standing relationships with with one another in like kind of slightly in slightly curious ways for instance this like mad scholar that gets mentioned in one of the stories in passing turns up later as some as someone else who in like imprisons the demon from the story i'm going to read in a moment and a lot of the stories focus around kind of really unhealthy relationships or the importance of queer friendship and just feeling like extremely lost and at a loose end and maybe a bit destructive in a kind of urban environment. But there's also lots of fo- like folklore braided in and mythology because that's always been one of my prevailing obsessions and getting to kind of queer up those stories or like bring out the underlying queer elements of them has been one of the real joys of writing the book. Amazing. And we were sort of discussing it um, amongst ourselves and we were talking about, you know, oh, you know, it, it kind of, your writing sort of reminds us of, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people have said this to you, but Angela Carter and um, Carmen Maria Mercado, um, those sort of writers that weave queerness and otherness with folklore and magic and horror. But I guess I wanted to ask, is is folklore and horror is that your is that your first love is that what you're inspired by is that what you read and sort of tell us about your inspirations for parallel hells i definitely agree that i that i would be really thrilled to be compared to those two writers i feel like i'm kind of standing on the shoulders of giants and i was i was thinking about them when i wrote it even though it's from my own kind of peculiar like british jewish perspective plus all of the weird stuff i've read over the course of my life and yeah folk like folklore and sort of darker literature have, have been really instrumental to writing it i was really into like listening to these you know that very 90s kid way like these various cassettes over yes. and over <laughs> yeah. as a kid especially like like collections of like viking myths scottish myths and and I think also myths from Japan um it was like a whole it was like a whole collection and my parents had to keep prizing like my headphones off me to be like do you think you could participate in real life (laughs) (laughs) no never (laughs) shan't (laughs) and I also was like very very into medieval lit at university and I think that comes through as well at various points where you're so immersed in the kind of mindset and culture of like a very a different point in the past that you sort of start coming a bit unmoored again from your own time period. And I think the place is probably the most clear is in A Wolf in the Temple, which is this like queer retelling of a story from an Icelandic saga. But having that experience also, I think, allowed me to write about his other historical periods that pop up in the book, like in the story about the golem in like. 18th century Polish Lithuania and there's also stuff in the bequest which is this family story where some of it's set in in early 1930s Germany and some of it's set in the present day yeah no it weaves like such a great mix of time spaces and all of that but um that is a great little setup to what Parallel Hells is all about if you could now read us a little excerpt from all the stories we would absolutely love that um and give people a flavor of what they could expect Thank you. I'd be really delighted to. And the story that I'm going to read from is Hags. I should have just torn my face off and started again. 
It wasn't sitting right. I'd slicked red over my lips, traced my lash line in black and ping, all ruined by my phone as my startled hand jerked the liner upwards. But my skin grew back slowly when I hadn't fed in a fortnight and I'd promised Erin I wouldn't be late. I sighed, swiped cold cream over my lids and started again. Ping. The nuisance machine was enough to make me long for the days when a breviary and a dagger were the only props I needed, Heckler texted. Doors at midnight, don't bail on us, Heckler again. It'll be the last time for a while, XX. They must have been caught up in the tourist rush, the ones who only came to adversary to say they'd been, and usually left after the intro performances gave way to the main entertainment. Yes to acrobats, no to flesh hooks. It's not like they weren't warned. Every edgy magazine in London had commissioned an identical article, sending a rookie into Gork when they were able to get tickets. The rookies always professed astonishment, then made clear they hadn't partaken in the fun. At least photographers were banned. They scared off my prey. Adversary never happened in the same place twice. Private homes, cavernous gay saunas, warehouses in suburban business parks, all played host. It never got shut down. Erin had run the numbers once and realised someone must be subsidising our festivities, but we never found out who. Finally, the flicks went right. Two grandiose black swoops straining towards my ponytail, which was pulled up high and playfully braided into nine dark strands. Ishi always said I was overcompensating. That wasn't quite it. For as long as I had to wear this silly body, I might as well gesture at its fakeness. I loved hiding in plain sight, whereas they had struggled to stay peaceably in any place for long. One of so many ways our methods differed. That said, I'd only learned not to party with my wings out after brushing past a lit cigarette and getting caught in an interminable discussion with two special effects technicians about the most flame-resistant silicone blends. I called myself a cab and leant out of the window to wait for its arrival near my sublet of a sublet. Broken glass glittered in a spray around the overflowing bins, while unseen birds sang to the orange glow of a street lamp. I'd chosen grossly and chosen well. It was still just about possible to remain minimally involved with bureaucracy, but every decade it got harder. I hadn't stolen anyone's identity in a while. I was sorely out of practice, thanks to a self-perpetuating desire to stay put. It was getting to be that time again. I had to contend with the pain of parting, or the dullness of accompanying my favourite humans through the latter halves of their brief lives, with my own plausible imitation of Beijing. The cab deposited me near Marble Arch, in front of a luxury hotel so stodgy that its cachet must have ceased to register with the intended clientele. And now adversary was here. The doorman took my password with white glove disgust. It's in the penthouse, madam. Suite 77. And that's where I'm going to end it because you have to find out what happens in the party by reading the book. Yeah. Yeah, and you're going to want to know. You are going to want to go. <laughs> and and um, that was our, if we can be so bold, our favourite short story in the in the book collectively. So I don't know, do you, um, do you have a favourite? That makes me really happy to hear that one because <laughs> bits of that are like <laughs> viscerally odd. And I remember reading them going, I'm going, have I pushed this a bit too far? No, so no. I'm delighted. No, never too much. Never too much. Yeah, it was kind of like b- before before we started recording, it was like a count of three, say your favourite. And it was both our favourites. So there you go. You can't make these things up. Thank you so much for, for reading that. That's great. And it's hopefully going to whet the appetites of our audience because I feel like our audience are the kind of people who appreciate the obscure and things that are being pushed too far. So uh-huh. I think that we're all in the right place. We're where we're, we're, where we're meant to be. 
Yes, absolutely. And speaking of where you're meant to be, I think like one of the reasons that's like one of our favorites is like the whole sort of queer sort of club setting really like always speaks to us. We love to uh, talk about our favorite club of all time, Dempsey's, which was the, the one gay bar. Well, was the one gay bar in Sheffield. Not anymore. Uh, in terms of like settings, obviously, you know, you have um, quite a few of the stories are in London, but then you also like go elsewhere. You go to like classic gothic like crumbling mansions and you go off to Mexico and there's also a story that's as you've mentioned already takes place in Norway and like I think the the mix I really enjoyed the mix of setting because often in like short story collections you can just be in sort of one place and then whereas this like kind of transported you all over and about and which also really added like richness to the stories I would say and I was just going to ask if um do you tend to choose like place after plot or are the two like linked for you when you're thinking of a story um, or do, or do, I mean, I guess it probably depends on story, but yeah, how would you, how do you approach where you're setting your stories uh, in comparison to like how you want to tell that specific tale? That's a really fascinating question. I haven't been asked that before. Uh, I think that the place is really, really linked to how the story starts forming in my mind I would say I was quite a visual thinker and also when I'm suffering from insomnia I tend to like visualize floor plans of houses I visited and walk through them so there's a lot of kind of spatial obsession and thinking going on like even when I'm not writing and I think a lot of the more exotic settings are probably the collected effect of having a love-hate relationship with London and kind of always coming like when I was living there always coming back to it but also trying to get out of it again and you know like trying to remind myself like you know the world beyond this abominable but sometimes wonderful city exists and so the story with um the story suckers has always been set in Mexico and I think only would only works there as a kind of prime example and yeah I'm trying to think if any of them have changed no they this all of them the set I think the setting came in really early yeah no I, I love that I love the uh the idea of using like your writing to escape to other places as well I, I definitely do that as well it's fun to be like oh I'm somewhere else now <laughs> <laughs> I'm not here anymore I know, yeah. especially when we haven't been able to move for so long it's really nice to sort of feel like you're uh, spreading your wings through reading so thank you for creating those worlds for us we really enjoyed it and I noticed as well that there were some running threads in the book around control or lack of control and also a bit about characters' relationships to truth and their own truth and how they sort of perceive their own truth. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit more about that, about that and how that theme sort of runs through the book. Yeah, I like control is almost the key element here. And I really love that you've picked up on that. And I think it's really closely interrelated with like ideas of bounce truth I mean when the publisher showed me the cover of the woman with the masks kind of receding from her face I was like absolutely overjoyed because it's so true to the spirit of the book of these sort of like masks within masks and the way that people kind of hide from others and themselves and then deeply regret it or kind of get off on it and how sort of that comes back to bite them I think that even when we 
feel quite out of control in some relationships. We have more power than we realise. And sometimes that is a really complicated situation to be in. And I think a lot of those recur throughout the book. I'm thinking particularly of Stay a While, where there's the main character who's chosen to like give up control in her romantic and sexual relationships and how sometimes this means that she kind of ends up putting herself in this victim position where the truth as perceived by the women that she's with is much more complicated than that and there are it just it keeps it keeps recurring again and again that like the characters don't necessarily always have the last word on who's right in the situation because it's quite maybe this is me being a control freak as a writer but I quite like to try and push the narrative a bit beyond what the point of view character can see so like you you as the reader hopefully have a bit more perspective than they do on whether on whether like not getting it that was Leon Craig, who joined us to talk about their debut collection of short stories, Parallel Hells. We absolutely loved having Leon um, on the show, and it was great to talk to her about all things spooky and bizarre. It is um, an absolute pleasure to um, have guests like Leon on the show. So again, big thank you. But now on with the rest of today's episode, and we are picking it up with less agreeable areas and we're back to another edition of i don't agree with it there must be some other things that are grinding your gears and getting your goat this week why don't you reveal what it is that you personally don't agree with well this is one that you know has stood for my whole adult life for my whole life since this has been something i've partaken in and it's something i have to think about every single time i am offered this item and that is that i don't agree with one piece of gum Okay. So I personally think that the optimum pieces of gum is two pieces of gum, two little pellets, because, you know, I need, I need enough purchase and I can't get enough purchase with one piece of gum. Three pieces of gum going too far. And then you've got like a chewing, chewing nightmare, like a jaw nightmare. Yeah. You're a violet Beauregard just getting locked jaw <laughs> yeah. from all of the chewing. Exactly. And can I ask, does this count for um, other sort of adjacent products? So would this count for like a Tic Tac, for example? Would you be would you be repulsed and repelled by only one Tic Tac? Would I be a gog aghast if mm. I was only given one Tic Tac? Uh, I would be like, oh, come on. But mm. I wouldn't be as annoyed because they like disappear a lot yeah. quicker. One Tic Tac in this economy? <laughs> exactly. Well, that, well, I mean, I would understand yeah. actually in this economy. Um, but it's specifically gum. For myself, I'll always have two, so that's fine. It's not a problem. But when I am offered it by other people, I do have to think, oh, come on. Like, do I do I know you well enough to tell you that I need to? Um, you know, can I see how much you've got left, etc. <laughs> can I see your inventory? Yeah. <laughs> I think I think I think the sort of um, the etiquette of this is like just really assessing what their stocks are. Absolutely. So yeah. you need to be thinking, okay, is this coming from a share pot? In which case, <laughs> absolutely, fill your boots, just you know, tilt your neck back and just get them straight in there. But if it's you know from like a little snide foil, like like snivelling wrapper. Then you don't really want to be taking more than one because, especially if you're on a night out and you don't have access to a news agent, you know, that's when, you know, you really need to sort of ration accordingly. Yeah, and I understand that, but I will, you know, and I won't, I won't, I won't, you know, I won't hate them in the exact moment, but will I resent them? Yes, I probably will. Mm. So (laughs) that is what I don't agree with. I'm glad that you, um, and it's probably really bad for the environment, isn't it, chewing gum? But I'm glad that you still partake because I feel like I'm one of the only people left. 
really? that, that chews gum. Oh. And I, I have to, so if, if I don't have like the, you know, the big share yeah. part in my bag, like I'm, I'm Jones and I'm, I'm upset. I've, I've been known to leave work and go to the shop to make sure that I'm fully stocked. I feel weird if I don't have some gum near me. Like mm-hmm. I have to have it. It's really good for my anxiety um, and like just helps to so just like chew on something rather than, rather than, rather than chewing on my thoughts. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So, big up gum, to be honest, you know, and yet. Yeah, <laughs> It probably is terrible for the environment, but you know we have to uh, ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows, swings and roundabouts. Romeo yeah. and Juliet. Choose our battles. Exactly. Choose our battles. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you not agree with this week? Um, Apart from that horrendous pun. So what I don't agree with this week. So um, I think I've done a couple of these before, but I have some words that give me the ick, and I only know that they give me the ick when I just sort of like have a moment where the glass kind of shatters, and I'm like, oh, you're one of those. Mm. So I actually have two this Mm. week because you know why only have one thing that you don't like when you can have two (laughs) um so the first one is and i think really what this comes down to is like the context in which these words are used who is typically using them and what that brings up for me if i'm being honest Mm. with you so the first one yes so the first (laughs) one is legal tender um i absolutely hate legal tender i hate when it is used the people that use it are just like not really like the people for me um (laughs) typically and it it normally comes out of some kind of gripe that somebody has had about you know not being able to pay for something in the way that they want to pay for it and it comes from like quite usually quite an entitled place um and also a place that's gonna like create a lot of annoyance for the person who's on the receiving end of this sort of like speech Mm. and it it seems like a it's always like a rehearsed speech by a very specific person who just like loves to be right about things and I'm, i'm annoyed by that so legal tender is a very um a very difficult phrase for me um the second one um arguably sort of a bit more difficult to get on my level of not agreeing with it and I accept that but it is beverage or beverages (laughs) um I don't like the word beverage I don't like the word beverages because I think why say that when you can say drink it means the same thing um it's it's like if if someone were to like describe I don't know like describe a drink as like describe a drink as like um I don't, I don't know, like, oh, would you like to have this nice drinkable? Or like, <laughs> I just think like it's, it's, it's a weird... Can I interest you in a quaffable? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Which can only be used in the most sort of like... Would madam like an imbiber? Yeah, yeah. And I just think like it's completely needless. And, and people only use beverage when they're like just being annoying or talking about like a beverage fridge. The only... The only way that I don't mind it is when it was when it maybe links to some kind of trade. So it's like, oh, they work in like drinks and beverages. But even then, I'm like, how is a beverage separate from a drink? <laughs> but so you don't like it, like if I was to, you don't like it if someone asks you if you want to go, want to go for a beverage, want to go for a bev, like a bev is bev is, bev is okay, beverage no. Interesting. Okay. Well, you do know I will now always ask you to go for a beverage, oh! <laughs> and you'll say no. Yeah, I will say no. Um, no, I don't like it. It just like makes my skin crawl a little bit, yeah. and um, I don't agree with it. Well, fair enough. Um, I like saying bev, but I always say it sarcastically. So I, which I guess is kind of fine, right? But yeah, because you know, I, you know I'm I'm aware, and you're you're doing that for a reason uh, because the word beverage is horrible. Yeah. So you've got to, you've got to, I do understand. You've got to put some kind of like sarcastic <laughs> veil over the top of it to make it more palatable for me. The, a, nice, a nice palatable beverage. Yeah, the, the person having the drinkable. <laughs> so, Absolutely. yeah. Um, fair enough, fair enough. 
So we want to say an absolutely huge thank you to Leon for joining us on the podcast and for our first sort of author special of this season. We've got um, a lot more to come and we're very excited about it, but um, it's really nice to um, start on this collection of short stories and get us all feeling spooky because we haven't felt spooky since we had um, Laura Alston on the podcast. And I was thinking about that the other day, uh, back in Halloween of last year. That was so a great spe- That was two years ago. Oh, two years yeah, ago. Yeah. Great spooky season, 2020 October. Yeah. Was, yeah. So we we haven't been spooked in a while so I hope that you'll all join us in feeling in feeling particularly spooked it was really great to have them on and a lot of um other good things to come in the next couple of weeks so do stay tuned so Leon's book Parallel Hells is out now in hardback paperback will be out in February 2023 so uh you know if you're going to any uh, shops you know look out for it. it's really good and fun and we hope you enjoyed hearing about it um when we we're talking about it um, they are working on a new novel, which will hopefully be with us in not too long, which is called The Decadence and uh, is described as a uh, set in a sort of big mansion in North Devon, a bunch of mates from uni who have tensions hanging over from their uni days and the house knows about it. And if that doesn't sound good, then I don't know what does. And it actually reminds me of when you were spooked in, was it in Devon? It was in Cornwall. And oh my God, it was this horrendous, horrendous, uh, like Airbnb, but it was this huge house and we found all the bedrooms and then hadn't found, we were like, wait, there's supposed to be another bedroom. Where am I sleeping? We went back down the hall and there was just this sort of blackness and we looked into the blackness and it was this tiny corridor that got smaller and smaller. At the end of it was just a door with a number seven hanging on its sort of hinge. No, and it's not lucky anymore. No, <laughs> and I've never slept so hauntedly in my entire life. It was absolutely horrendous. I just, there was someone else in the room with me, but I, but I was alone. <laughs> was it that like, was it that like you just couldn't really like settle and relax or did you actually like have weird dreams or it was it was just a prevailing heaviness like a feeling that that i was not alone and very the worst one of the worst things about to make that even worse was there was a mirror like right in front of the bed like right at the end of the bed Mm, no i covered covered up with a towel yeah yeah i was there for a week it's too much um yeah so aside from that from leon um uh, she will be at an event which is being um held by the white review um which is a conversation that they're going to be having with Arzi Bashir, who won the Right Reviews Short Story Prize last year for their story, The Chicken. And they're going to be talking about the possibilities of the short story format and lots of nice witchy stuff. So uh, if you're interested in that, please, you know, you'll, you can find all the details on socials or if you search for The White Review or Leon or Arzi Bashir, then you'll be able to find the details of that event and that sounds really fun yeah and it's also an online event as well so it's open to everybody and no matter where you are you can enjoy that um so yeah absolutely big thank you to leon um for joining us and talking about parallel hells you can find it um in waterstones or your favorite independent bookseller so make sure you go and check it out and we will be um featuring the iconic cover which is absolutely unmissable so you will definitely recognize that on the shelves and we will be loving you leaving you and longing for you until next week bye Bye.